Good morning, Plum Creek. How are you? Good. Greetings to those of you that are worshiping with us online as well. Well, welcome to the first week of our new series that we're uh, that we're calling Love First, <clears throat> and this is a mission critical message and series for us that's vitally important for us as we continue to uh, explore and unpack what it looks like to see Plum Creek's influence here in Castle Rock being the very best that it can be. This passage of scripture that will be the foundation for our, our this series is one that likely you're very familiar with. Have you heard of the great commandment before? Have you heard of this? Many of you have. It's part of Jesus's teaching found in Matthew chapter 22. It's repeated throughout the scriptures in many places. And the reason for that repetition is that you and I would understand the importance of it and take this challenge very seriously. The one place that I would like to uh, unpack this passage with you is in Matthew chapter 22. Starting in verse 37, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally, say equally, important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Last Thursday, Pastor Craig and I just got back from Kigali, Africa. If I look a little hazy, that's because I got up at 1.30 this morning thinking I was on a different time zone. <clears throat> We are committed uh, as a church to regularly check in with our ministry partners. Nearly 12 years ago, Plum Creeker Susan Holleran and her husband Kevin started a school in an impoverished area on the outskirts of Kigali. And when I say impoverished, please know that I mean impoverished. Very, very difficult circumstances that uh, these families are living in. Hope Haven has now been a Plum Creek ministry partner for several years. But as I was with Craig on the ground there in Africa, looking at the ministry of and observing and seeing how it's developing the ministry at Hope Haven, I can tell you there's an incredible work that's being done. I was reminded as I was writing these thoughts that what we saw was a ministry, Hope Haven, that uh, Susan went and built a school, literally, All these years ago, under a tree it started, and now there's over 2,000 students at this school, ranking in the tops of the schools in the nation. As a matter of fact, their debate team has been kicking butt and taking names. They're actually right now working to get visas so that they can compete, because they've been winning wherever they go, to compete in a debate at Yale with other high school debate teams. Now, wait a second. Before you clap, let me just tell you that before this school was started, there was no school in this neighborhood, none. And now these kids are being educated and giving opportunity to thrive, to, to, um, to learn, to grow, to understand who Jesus is. They have fresh water, they have food. The secondary school is all in residence. And uh, I had an opportunity uh, last Sunday to, to preach to almost 800 students that are in the secondary school. And I asked them if they would just give you a brief greeting. So here you go. Uh, 
I wish that you could have been there with me. It is amazing what God is doing. And this is an expression of this particular verse that we're looking at today, this second part of the commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. And here's the question that we're unpacking together throughout this series. Could it be that when Jesus said, love your neighbor, he meant it? Could it be? You see, I don't think any of us are going to get this right every time, but I believe there is a tendency to make this commandment so general that we completely miss the simplicity of it, the simplicity of loving those that are closest to you. That's what the Lord has called us to do. And part of the danger for you and I is that we can feel really good about supporting a ministry that's doing a great job loving their community and meeting needs in Kigali, Africa. And drive by the needs that are part of our community every single day. As we hit our garage door opener and escape as the door closes behind us. A lot has changed in our culture. Today, if someone comes to your door and rings the door or knocks on the door, it's multiplied thousands of times more likely that it's an Amazon driver than a neighborhood, our neighbor. <clears throat> uh, just recently, there was a movie called A Man Named Otto that came out. Tom Hanks starred as Otto, a grouchy man who's very involved in the care of his neighborhood. And a young family moves in across the street and despite of Otto's efforts to push them away and keep them at a distance, they become friends. And they actually become close friends. And throughout the film, the relationships between the neighbors continue to grow and they deepen and they form a tight-knit community, kind of even reflective of what we have inside of us, a desire to experience and know community as well. But let's be honest, many of us don't even know our neighbors' names let alone have any kind of relationship with them. And this is a challenge for all of us. It was about seven years ago that I challenged Plum Creek to get to know their neighbors. I, I just gave you a challenge to make sure that you knew the names of the neighbors to the left and the right, across the street and perhaps behind you. And if you live in an apartment or a condo, those above you and below you as well. And I can remember when we sent out that challenge to get to know the names of your neighbors, Pastor Rachel came back and told me, Doug, you are not gonna believe what happened. One of our Plum Creekers took the initiative to do what I had asked and went to their neighbor and knocked on the door and said, hello, uh, my name is Susie. And my pastor told me to come over here and introduce myself to you. I would like to know your name. <clears throat> to which... She said, wow, that's really weird because my pastor has asked us to do that too. To which the other lady said, wait a minute, there's more than one church doing this series right now? Who is your pastor and what church do you go to? And her neighbor said, my pastor's name is Doug and I go to Plum Creek. And she's like, what? I go to Plum Creek. Uh, as silly as that might sound, I'm pretty fired up about it because now I've got two Plum Creekers in the same neighborhood getting ready to double team that place. <clears throat> it's important for us to uh, know our neighbors and to love our neighbors. Listen, here's the deal. Jesus told us that there are these two pillars that hold up our faith. Keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Only two commandments that you need to focus on. Love God 
and love your neighbors. So this is my main thought for this weekend. Keep it simple. Love God and love my neighbors. You see, one of the distinguishing marks of Christ followers should be the practical expressions of love that we extend to those that are next to us, that are near to us. Please hear this. Your faith is not valuable because it reflects that you know about right beliefs. But rather, it is valuable because it inspires the right practice. Now let me say that again. Your faith is not valuable because it reflects the right beliefs. No, it was never meant to stop there. You see, your faith is valuable because it inspires and motivates out of the overflow of your heart the right kind of practices. So I've been praying that this vitally important series would help supercharge us as a church inspire us to take this mandate and this challenge seriously. And if you've been around Plum Creek for a little while, you will know that one of the passions of my life is for you to know with great certainty in your heart that God loves you. And it's one thing to hear that. It's another thing to know that. It's another thing altogether to believe that. But where the rubber really meets the road is when you begin to live that. And I pray with all of my heart, Plum Creek, that we are living it. So what does it mean to live it, to, to love God and love our neighbors? You see, it begins with us understanding that he is madly in love with you, that he loves you, that he cares about you so much that he would not just say that, but he would put it into action. And we know this is true. In John three sixteen, verse many of us know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And friends, please hear me. There are a lot of people in this world that do not know that. What's equally and perhaps even more challenging is that some of them are your neighbors. There are a bunch of people right here in this valley that need to understand God's love for them. So what's the plan for this love to be communicated to the world around us? How will the people uh, that are around us know that God loves them so much? And it's easy to see that this was the very passion behind why Jesus came. He came so that you and I would know and understand our Heavenly Father's love. That's why he came. That we would be able to experience it and know it, and that's why he went to the cross. But now, what's the ongoing plan? What's the plan from that point moving forward? What's the plan for those that live near you to hear about the love of God? And that's what I want to talk about today. So on behalf of the people that God loves dearly, that live near you and I, I want to speak for them. Keep it simple, friends. Love God and love people. Love my neighbors. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to John chapter 17. This is an amazing passage of scripture. You see, this is <clears throat> right. This, this part of the story of Jesus' life is coming right before he heads into a, what we call Holy Week, before he goes and he's tried and he's beaten and he's put on the cross and he dies and he goes into the grave and he comes back to life. So right before those very things happen, <clears throat> Jesus is kind of reminiscing, so to speak. It's an intense time. Jesus knows what's coming, and we have an opportunity to peek into Jesus' heart as he's preparing to go through this intense pain and suffering. 
So how, do, how does all of this relate to our main thought that we need to keep it simple to love God and love my neighbors? Hang with me and you will see. Because right now, the real question for all of us is this, how are we going to keep this command prioritized in our minds, in our hearts? Because likely this is not the first time you've heard this. You know that this is part of the challenge, that you would stay tenaciously focused on growing in your understanding and experiencing God's love, and that you should be loving your neighbor. We, we've heard this before. It's not new information. The problem is, we're just not really doing it the way we should. So how are we gonna keep this in proper perspective? And that's where I wanna spend the rest of our time together. There's a few things that if we're gonna do this well, we must remember. <clears throat> and I would like to share them with you quickly. To maintain, maintain this perspective, there's some things we must remember. The first one is this. I am where I am on purpose. I am where I am on purpose. Sounds a little bit like Popeye. In John 17, I want you to follow with me as Jesus is reflecting, heading into uh, Holy Week. After saying all these things, Jesus had just been teaching, Jesus looked up into heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. And just follow with me as you can see, Jesus is processing all that has happened leading to this moment. I brought you glory. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Jesus says, listen, you sent me on mission that this world would know your love and I've done what you've asked me to do and now I'm getting ready to head to the cross to die for it. I have revealed to you the ones you gave me from this world. They were always yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. What Jesus is basically saying there is you gave me these followers, you gave me disciples, and I have done my best to communicate to them the heavenly Father's love for them and for the world. And then he continues in verse seven, now they know that everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed on to them the message you gave to me. They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believed you sent me. Basically, what Jesus was saying here is, listen, I said what you told me to say, Lord, and they've believed that I came on mission for you. They've heard the message and they have believed it. So God, you sent me, Jesus said. You gave me authority, you gave me disciples, you gave me the words to say, and you asked me to put your love on display. I've done what you've asked me to do. Now you must see verse 18. Jesus then says, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Who's them? Who's them? You seem really excited about it. <laughs> there it is. This them is you and me. It's you and me. Jesus says, we're the plan. We're plan A. That's what it is. Jesus' great commission begins with Jesus saying that I came and I told the disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. How are we doing with this? God so loved these disciples that he would send his son who would then send his disciples into the world, who would then send others into the world. It's a genius plan because here we are 2,000 years later, somebody took that mandate serious and told you. And now you and I have a responsibility to take that baton 
and do the very best we can to love him and to love our neighbors. Jesus has put specific people with similar struggles and similar fears and similar insecurities into our lives, and they desperately need to know what you know, God's forgiveness, God's love, God's peace, and God's presence. God loves them so much that he would send his son to die on a cross for them. Oh, but don't you for one second misunderstand what comes next. He also loves them so much that he would send you. That's the plan. We have responsibility here. Now there's a passage that communicates this perfectly in Acts chapter 17 in verse 26. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. Look at this next phrase. And he determined the times set for them, that's you and me, and the exact places where they should live. Did you know that? God picked your neighbor. He put you there on purpose. He picked that building that you live in, that condo, that apartment, that dorm. He picked it, the exact places where they should live. Why? God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. The sovereign plan of God has this whole thing planned out. It's you and me. And I wonder what would happen if you and I had opportunity to sit down with your neighbors and I could just say, what are you learning from this neighbor here? And they're like, whew, let me tell you, right? Those people you work with, do they get to know Jesus because of you? Do they get to see Jesus at work in and through your life because you take this seriously? Are we having the impact that God has called us to make in this community because we take this seriously? You are the plan. We just raise your hand real quick. Just raise your hand like this and say, I'm the plan. Oh, yeah, you sound really thrilled. <laughs> Listen, this is the mission of God for the world to know his love. Raise your hand again and say, I'm the plan. I'm the plan. And I better take it seriously because this is how this happens. You were never meant to be silent about this. So we spend our lives making his, his love known to the world around us by caring like he does, by loving like he does, by sharing our redemptive stories with others, and by sharing the message of the gospel. We keep it simple. We love God, and we love my neighbors. So to maintain this perspective, we first remember God put you where you are on purpose. I am where I am on purpose. Number two, the stakes are high. Jesus is the one that put it this way in John chapter 14, verse six. Jesus told them, he said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Do you believe that that's true? Do you believe that's true? You see, our culture would tell us to keep this all to ourselves, that you can believe whatever you wanna believe, just leave me alone. And sometimes we buy into it. Who am I to tell somebody, my neighbor or my coworker, that Jesus loves them? Who am I to tell someone else that their sin separates them from the love of God? And here's the deal. Do you really believe what Jesus said? Do you really believe that? When he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one will come to the Father except, for through, except through me. Do you really believe that? 
Listen, if you believe that, how jacked up is it that you wouldn't tell somebody? That's why we live on mission, to help his love be known. That's why we care and love for others, so that we will have opportunity to do this. How arrogant and hateful would it be to have known this to be truth and not tell others? If he is the way, the truth, and the life, we better be loving our neighbors. As a matter of fact, you better be the best neighbor in your whole neighborhood. Why? Because that's part of the way that we are going to express and help others to see God's love at work in your life. We do this in a way that's compelling enough that eventually it will open up an opportunity for you to have conversations with them and to tell them about Jesus. You keep it simple. You love God and you love your neighbors. This is a big weekend for us at Plum Creek and I will share some things with you at the end of our service, but because of what's happening today, uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of OG Plum Creekers here this morning. <clears throat> that have come back for this weekend and I'm gonna tell you something. That was a motley crew that took this mandate seriously. Before we had church services, Charles and Farrah are here today. They used to have parties in their cul-de-sac and I sat on the beer cooler on purpose. Because if you had got a beer, you had to come through me. Why? Because we love our neighbors. We leverage our influence and relationships with others because God's told us to love people well. And part of loving them well is helping them to know the stakes are high. And to maintain this perspective, listen, I gotta remember that I am where I am on purpose. The stakes are high and it's my responsibility. I don't let this go to someone else. I take this responsibility purposefully myself. Jesus did so many incredible things while he was here. His teachings were legit. His miracles were amazing. And he's wrapping up his time on earth here in John 17, just kind of communicating with his heavenly father. And he's summarizing his work and he's praying. And he doesn't talk about all the places he's been or the amazing miracles that took place. He, but instead, he, he prays over and over and over again for his disciples. And then... He prays for you and he prays for me. And what he says in John chapter 17, verse 20, I am praying not only for these disciples that were there that day, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. <laughs> Do you know who that is? That's me. He was praying for me that day. And he was praying for you. They were his life, those disciples. They were his strategy. 
And they were tasked to get the word out and they did a very good job. Here we are 2,000 years later still talking about this Jesus. And he rallied these men to told them to go make disciples and 2,000 years later, friends, listen, the responsibility is yours and mine. So we just need to live on purpose, being a good neighbor on purpose. So as I wrap it up, to maintain perspective, we need to remember these things. But finally, I also want you to remember that together, our impact is multiplied. You see, the force of Plum Creek being the influence that God has called it to be is not as great if one of us doesn't take this seriously. Each of us need to take this seriously. To live on mission and to live on purpose. In John 17, Jesus then prays. He says, I pray that they will all be one. You can kind of see like a laser beam what he's doing. Let's get focused. That they will all be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me. So they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. You see, unified together, the impact is multiplied. When Dougie takes that serious and lives on mission, and you do too, oh baby, you watch out. Because this valley will never be the same. Together, we most definitely can do this. So, as I've done throughout the course of this year, I've asked you to set that recurring reminder at one o'clock to pray, and here's your prayer for this week. Here's what I want you to pray. Pray that God would help us to see others the way he does. Starting with that neighbor that doesn't mow their yard enough for you or has a dog that barks too early. Start with that one. Or the one in the apartment complex that has the music too loud all the time or has a massive subwoofer when they're watching movies. You see, unified together, impact is multiplied, so we will pray that God would help us to see others the way he does. That's your neighbors, it's your coworkers, students, it's your classmates. Ask God to help you. When you look in their eyes that you will see what he sees. And then take very seriously this mandate to keep it simple, keep it simple, friends, to love God and to love others. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for this truth that you unpacked and repeated often in scripture that in, in a man's attempt to understand what it means to, to be a Christ follower, what it means to be a, a person that loves the Lord, uh, that we can make things so complicated that it's difficult to do. And so instead of, instead of living this complicated version of religiosity, what you've called us to do is to keep this very, very simple 
and I love your words, and yet at the same time, they're so deep and so life-changing, and Lord, that is the plan, that we would love you, and we would love our neighbors, we would love others with the same kind of love that you've extended to us. So Father, I pray that you will speak to each of us, whether in this room or worshiping with us online today, that we would take a look deep inside of ourselves and ask ourselves this question. Do the people that I know best, do the people that I live nearest to, do the people that I work with see Jesus in me? When you answer that question, if the answer is not like they should, then we have work to do. But it's simple work. Love God and love our neighbors. So Lord, I pray that you will help us to not be a distraction to people finding Jesus, but rather we would be the catalyst to people that are around us experiencing and knowing the love of God. Help us to take this seriously because the stakes are high. To be reminded today and next week that you put us where we are on purpose and you also brought the lives of others into our, into our influence on purpose too. Father, will you help us to do all that we can to live in this way that you've called us to that would honor you and make you famous in this valley. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.